This is College Dame Day, a podcast for college football fans, hosted by three sisters who recap last week's games, talk about upcoming matchups, and find some time to trash talk the teams they don't like. Let's join Megan, Amy, and Laura as they break the huddle and kick off this week's episode. All right, welcome back to College Dame Day. We're going to kick it over to Amy to get us started with our game. Okay. So for our game tonight, we're going to be doing our first Husker memory, and I will go ahead and go first. Growing up, though, I never realized how weird it was, our home life, because all the kids would talk about, like, Saturday morning cartoons and, like, shows and stuff they would watch, and I never realized how odd it was that we only watched sports at our house, and so a lot of my earliest memories, period, are of sports, namely college football and Nebraska watching them. I remember lots of times watching sports and watching football with dad, but the very first one that I remember super clearly that's like cemented in my brain that I know isn't just reruns that I've seen on TV, um, because I've seen that like Miami where we go for two and it goes off his shoulder pads, but I wasn't even around for that. So I know that was like a memory that I've just seen. But this memory is um, the 95 Orange Bowl. It was our first national championship in the Tom Osborne era. And it was, you know, after the 94 season, Tommy Frazier was our quarterback. And we go into the fourth quarter down to Miami 17 to nine. And it just looks like another one of those years where we get to the last game, we're ranked, you know, first or second. And then we just blow it in the last game in our bowl game and, you know, don't bring home the national championship. And so it seemed like that was going to happen again. And dad was all tense and just frustrated and upset And then I remember going into the fourth quarter and Corey Schlesinger scoring for the first time and then us going for two and making it. And then I remember being like, oh, dad, that's good. We're we're tied now. Right. And he was like, still a lot of ball game left. But I could see like even in his eyes, there was like a little bit of hope back. And then Corey Schlesinger's second run where he like runs it up the middle and then he kind of like dives and does a roll into the end zone. I can just see that play in my mind. Like I know exactly where I was in the den. I know where dad, he was like standing in front of the TV. He never sat down to watch the games. He would always stand up with his like arms folded, like a foot in front of the television. And I remember him just pumping his fist and I don't know, it was just very exciting. And it's my first most concrete memory of Husker football. Amy, you were saying that you never realized how weird it was growing up that way. And I think it's partly being from Nebraska. I think that's the culture of Nebraska. But I also think it's a little bit the culture of our family. I don't know if it's because dad had three girls before Luke was born, but I do feel like we were sort of substitutes for that boy, you know, and we grew up just watching football and watching sports and playing sports and doing all that sort of thing. But I do think that is overall a culture of Nebraska as well. So I kind of wanted to say that because I think we're some of the most informed fans in the nation because we do just grow up knowing the game inside and out. From 94 to 97, we won three national titles. And I just remember we only lost a couple times in that like three year span. And I just remember going into a gas station or just like going out in a public, going grocery shopping after a loss. And it was like the whole state was in mourning. It was crazy. Like the body language and, and you'd see someone and it wouldn't be like, oh, hey, How's the weather? You know how you like in the sunshine or whatever. It was like, man, you know, what'd you think of that play call on fourth and what? You know, it was just like, it is, it's like a whole state culture. And even when I went back for Laura's wedding, we stopped in a runza. (laughs) 
And there was like this group of like young boys next to us and they were talking about Adrian Martinez and it was just like, it's just, yeah, so much the culture. It's just like what you do, you talk about the Huskers. What was your first memory? I remember, honestly, my first memory is probably sitting at the table for breakfast one morning and I was listening to mom and dad talk about Tom Osborne because at that point in his coaching career, he was on the hot seat because he had not won a national championship and the fans were getting restless. There was a lot of talk about whether he could do it or not. And I remember that was sort of the first introduction to Husker football and who Tom Osborne was. But then my earliest memory of an actual game is that same 95 Orange Bowl. I have brief memories of all of the previous bowl games that we had lost. We hadn't won a bowl game I think since 1987 or something like that. And so going into the Orange Bowl, I remember the pregame people who were starting to gather for the game and Dave Weber from Channel 6 was there covering the game. And as he was reporting, he found this little piece of a corn cob on the field and he like held it up and he was like, it's a sign, you guys, it's a sign. And then the miracle happened. Nebraska won in the fourth quarter, those two touchdowns by Corey Schlesinger. And then after the game, Dave Weber was, high. He was so ecstatic. It was the corn cob, the magic corn cob. Anyway, he was so proud of that. He brought it back home to Nebraska. He put it up in his office on a little shelf behind him. So whenever they would like pan to the sports, you would see him sitting there with the corn cob. I don't know if he still has it or not. Anyway, I remember that. And the other memory I have from that game is the safety that we got because it was a high snap. The ball started to roll towards the end zone and the Miami player kicked it through the corner of the end zone. And that was the first time I realized that that was a safety. I don't know why. I guess, you know, just growing up, you normally see a safety as the quarterback gets sacked in the end zone or whatever. Um, I actually remember that standing out in my mind as, oh, like that was it was an unusual way to score and an unusual way to get a safety. And I think that also was one of my earlier memories. And the other thing I remember from that game Warren Sapp and Ray Lewis on the Miami defense, just like gloating every play they stopped us. Um, You know, when they stopped Tommy Frazier and the option, they would do those like gross belly dances and things they were doing. And I was just getting so tired of them. And then in the fourth quarter, when things started to shift, they started to get tired and like their hands were on their knees every play. We just like wore them down. And that's just like another vivid memory. I just remember seeing like the defeat in Warren Sapp's eyes. So sweet. Yes. All right, Laura, your turn. What's your earliest Husker memory? Well, you have to go a little bit later than both of you picked, and I will set the stage. Nebraska is 8-0. and It is November 8th. It is two days before my birthday, um, and we are playing Missouri. So that should kind of give it away at this point. But the earliest memory that I have, I do remember the bowl games that we won somewhat briefly. But again, I think it's more because I watched the tapes back afterwards. But I vividly remember watching the catch, uh, Matt Davidson's miraculous catch against Missouri in 1997 to keep our undefeated season hopes alive. Um, and I remember uh, Scott Frost throwing to the end zone. I for sure thought it got dropped and then seeing it happen in slow motion and then somehow Matt ending up with the ball. I can vividly remember it and it's still something that we talk about to this day. So Definitely the catch is going to be what I have to go with. And I think a lot of people do remember watching that live and can like tell you where they were at when that happened. Yes, that was a good one. I remember Megan had a friend over, Joe Tucker. I, yeah, I remember everything about that as well. His foot kicking the ball up and Matt diving. And, and yep. then the press conference after Matt Davison got to go like 
you know, speak on the podium, which he'd never done before. And he was like, well, Tom Osborne spoke to me for the very first time ever when I was getting on the bus after that game. And they were like, oh, what did he say to you? And he was like, nice catch, Matt. <laughs> and that was like, he just said like those three words to him. But it was like the first time he had said anything to him and he was all proud of it. I never realized how, how weird I was until um, like one time someone asked me what my favorite movie was. And I was like, oh, it's the 97 or the 98 <laughs> Orange Bowl when like when yeah. we defeat Peyton Manning. And they're like, no, no, movie. And I'm like, it is a movie. Like we taped it and it's on VHS. I watch yeah, it all the time. Yeah, we used to have all those like, VHS tapes of and, all the games and we yeah. would just like rewatch them. <laughs> yeah. and We were weird. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, do you guys want to talk a little bit about the game from Saturday I suppose we got a win so got that's a win. positive we're four and two I will take it we started right. la- this point last year we were zero and six so I will take this and if you check out our college game day Instagram you will see the newest member of the Cornhusker cheering squad I went out to mom and dad's and brought uh, a new member of our family so you'll see a cute picture of Benji uh, the newest Husker fan so over here He's very cute, and he loves the Huskers already, so he's a keeper. But we took him out to surprise mom, and he went and watched the game with us, so I think he might be a good luck charm. Keep game him was around. Super, keep him around, that's right. Game was super intense. Adrian's out, possibly. We don't even know about Spielman. A lot of things up in the air, but everyone is saying this was a must-win game, and we pulled it out. Um, we're finally starting to win one of the close ones, so that feels good. Yeah, I agree on the close games. It seems like, you know, I wish we would have beat them by more. I remember back in the day when we just like blow teams out all the time and I could just like enjoy myself and eat snacks. And now it seems like every single game I'm like on the edge of my seat. I can't eat. My stomach's upset because I'm so nervous. But we're like finally starting to win them. So I will take it. I would appreciate it if they wouldn't keep doing this to my heart because I feel like Heart disease is like the number one killer of women already. My diet is really bad too. So if they could really step it up so that I don't die of a heart attack soon, that would be great. But yeah, I um yeah, I wish we knew about Martinez and Spielman. Spielman like looked in good spirits over there, but uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on with the ice pack on his knee or on his leg. I I will say though that having Vedral in, like if Martinez can't play next week. It wouldn't scare me as bad as back Riker when, you know, like Riker Five was the back. I didn't want to say his name, but okay, yes, I know like, he is a sweet Nebraska kid. But the backup, because we have a little depth there, it makes me feel a little better. And it was fun seeing McCaffrey come in for a play. Yeah, I don't he know. used his red shirt one of his games on that. So, well, I mean, it's not That's like he's going to like use them anyway. I mean, it's not like it's, you never know. You had to see him burn it on like a. Well, that's. I thought maybe we would go into the. Like when Vedro's helmet came off and he had to leave for that play, I thought maybe we would just go into the Wildcat. Wildcat To Wandale or something. Um, But then he did come in and he got a couple yards on that run. But yeah, I bet he was so nervous. Well, I didn't see the first quarter of the game. I was at the Louisville game and I was expecting them to take care of Boston College a little bit more quickly than they did. So I ended up staying for the whole game and then driving home. I was trying to keep up with what was going on. That was when we were winning. Um, By the time I started watching, though, it was getting real tight and I was getting real upset. (sighs) I don't know. It's just our offense is very frustrating to watch. I don't know. It was 
they'll have some work to do there. Their offense is also frustrating. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, I said that I said that last week, I said they might have a worse offense than us. Um, And I had predicted a defensive game, but not quite so defensive as it actually was. 13 to 10 is pretty low score. But not as low as the Wisconsin Iowa game. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Did outscore them. Um, Yeah, I don't know. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm like, we pulled out the win. It wasn't pretty. I guess like, the most frustrating thing for me, again, was like the shooting ourselves in the foot. I don't know how many false starts we had. And, and one of them was on Cam Jurgens, and, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but when you're the one snapping the ball, you should never, ever false start because you, you're the one snapping the ball. And then there was one like late in the game. There were several. I don't know. It's just those like frustrating penalties because that's not like playing our best. You know, if we'd have played our very best and lost, that's one thing. But when you just make dumb errors, that's the most frustrating thing to me. But then on the other hand, I think our defense like played with a lot of heart. I never guessed that our defense would have bailed us out of so many games this season. But it is nice mm-hmm. to be able to like re- rely on them again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my positive take on it. I do think, though, because a lot of people are saying like, Martinez is a head case. Um, Scott's a head case with his play calling. But the thing is, he just inherited this team. And like, I don't know what the percentages of players that he actually recruited versus the ones he inherited from Mike Riley. But this isn't even like fully his team. I mean, it, it is his team, but it's like he didn't put all those pieces together. And like with the recruiting he's doing and just like getting those certain players in certain positions for his offense and what he wants to do. I do think we're headed in the right direction. It's just we do have to be patient. All right. Well, positive for me is no turnovers. That's a huge improvement. The negative, I will say, is our offense is just struggling so much. I mean, the snaps are still high right now. I do think the defense is saving us. And that's another positive, I guess. But the offense just has a long way to go, it seems. It does. And it has to like get consistent but when I I do see like shades of brilliance and that gives me hope um, because I know that it's there it just has to be like polished up I guess yeah um, but the right time is right they need to get consistent we do have a pretty young team so I think a lot of that can work itself out all right so it sounds like we had some negatives but also had some positives from the game so let's pick some positives and we're going to start with our offensive players I will go first, and I'm going to hand it to number 16, Noah, coming in uh, for the injured Adrian Martinez. He threw that really long pass that got us the first down, and I like that they gave him the ability to throw. Northwestern knew that we were going to continue to hand it off, and I like that we finally took a shot downfield, and it was at the backup, and he had the confidence to throw it. It worked out, and so I I appreciated that. I'm going to give my pick to Noah. Megan, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Noah. I think Adrian has a ton of potential, but Vedral is a competitor and he he has it now. You know what I mean? Like when he had that snap that was high and it went over his head, he didn't panic. I mean, that could have been a disaster. Um, so I was really impressed with his with his mental game, I think even more than his physical skill. I'm going to go with the obvious choice again. I'm going to give it to Wandale. He... Like you said, he carried the team on his back, I think. I mean, he's really stepped up. It's helped that 
Washington's out and, you know, he's kind of been the go-to guy, but he was really impressive. So he's my offensive player of the game. Amy, what about you? Okay. Well, this works out nice because I had three just in case I went last and my first two got picked, which they both did. So I'm going to go with Lane McCallum because he did win the game for us. That has got to be very nerve wracking. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald iced him three times. I was actually worried that he was going to like call two and then and not the third. Pretend, mm-hmm. Yes, pretend like he was going to call the third, but not. So I was actually glad when he called the third one, and I was like, okay, now he knows. No oh, more. And after this, there's no more. Yep. He went out there, and actually, I guess I don't know what Scott said to him, but I the press conference after the game, they asked McCallum what was going through his mind seconds after he made the kick, and he was like. And this is a quote. He was like, praise God. I didn't think that thing was going in when it left my foot. I looked at it and it was really low. And I was like, oh, crud. <laughs> yes. give, that one, give that one to the man upstairs for sure. I didn't know if that was going to get blocked. And I actually did think it got blocked. I don't know. If I, it thought, was, I couldn't I see did it. Too. Right. Because it was so it was low. So low. Plus the sound of it leaving his foot. It just sounded like the sound when you block, like a hand hits it or whatever. I, yes, very scary moment. But it went through. They were asking Scott, like, what he said to him before he went out and kicked it. And Frost said, I called him a name and said, you'll make it. And then he said, sometimes levity is better. And McCallum won't say what he called him. He said, I can't say that one, but it definitely relaxed me. So I like that Frost kind of joked around with him, like, you know, made him laugh before he went out there. Because I think that helps when it's like, you know, it's all on you, bud. Like, you know, that doesn't Mm -hmm. help people. So (laughs) don't um, miss it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, and then Scott said, I'm 44 years old and I could have jumped as high, (laughs) as high as that kick he kicked. So yeah, it's just like a lot of levity, but I do. And something that's going through all the like Husker newspapers and online sites and stuff is like, how cool is it that two Nebraska boys that grew up in like the heartland of Nebraska Vedral, the backup QB, driving that final drive down, and then McCallum kicking the field goal. It's just like, it's really special when it's like two of our own boys that did it. So, mm-hmm. yep, that's my pick. Well, right. since you had to go last for offense, why don't you go first for defense? Okay, well, for defense, I am going to go with the obvious and pick Lamar Jackson because he had that pick for us that, I mean, because Northwestern was marching and... I mean, I know their field goal kicker probably is not the best either <laughs> since he missed one as well, but they were getting within field goal range. And if he hadn't picked that ball off there, um, they could have, I think, ended the game. So I think that him picking that pass off was just really important. And that's why I'm picking him. Good choice. That was going to be my pick, but I had a, an extra just in case because I had a feeling someone was going to say Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to give my defensive player of the game to Mo Berry, who is the other obvious choice, I think. He led the team in tackles, I believe. I'm still a little bit upset about that missed holding call, but okay. I'll let it go. They had, before Laura goes really quick, they had three horrible calls in a row. They called the horse collar tackle on JoJo, which it wasn't at all. His hand was on top of that guy's shoulder pads. Yeah. Um. They had, they called pass interference on Boodle, which the ball was like 20 yards over that guy's head. It was not catchable. And then they missed right. the holding call on Mulberry. And so... Yes. I just want to say that when Northwestern is like whining that there we did they didn't call pass interference on that play where we intercepted like I don't want to hear it. So um, thankfully I was outside throwing the ball for Benji when all three of those plays happened, so that was good. Yeah, they were frustrating. I was screaming a lot of mean things at the refs. All right, Laura, your turn. 
My pick is going to be Colin Miller. He is an academic All Big Ten in 2017. He's currently a junior now. He's also part of the Brooke Berenger citizenship team and Tom Osborne citizenship team. But I picked him because he had four tackles and four assists. So he uh, went four for four. He was about fourth down um, in leading in tackles, but then also had one of the higher assists. So Mm -hmm. I went with him. We hadn't picked him before, and he's our inside linebacker. He also has really great cheekbones. I don't know if you've seen him in the press conference at all, but he could, like, be a model. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Cheekbones. Well, and jaw, but he's he's just like he has a very chiseled face. Like, just watch a press conference sometime that he's in, or pull up an old one. Okay, I can just Google. But yeah, okay. No, because because his picture on the um, this makes me sound like a creeper, but his picture on the the team page doesn't like show in person how it doesn't do him any justice, Laura. Right, right. Okay. Also, I'm just looking at this picture that you sent me, Amy, of Kirk Ferentz picking his nose during the Michigan game. Yes, yeah, so I think gross. we should put that on our page. Okay. He, he was, like, almost knuckle deep, too. That wasn't <laughs> just, like, a little bit. That was disgusting. Okay. Well, on that note, maybe we should move on to Football on Fleek. Football okay. on Fleek. It's time for Football on Fleek, where we talk about fashion and football. This week, we're stretching it a little bit, and we're doing best name. And it can be funny, serious, whatever, just a name that you won't forget. And I would just like to start by saying that I'm super disappointed when I found out that the Indiana quarterback, Mike Penick's name was pronounced like that. Yeah. Because I remember this summer when Indiana first released their depth chart, because they had a race for quarterback. There was like three of them. Yes. And they released their first depth chart, and he won the job, and Megan texted us and was like, oh my gosh, LOL, look at the Indiana quarterback's last name. And it's P-E-N-I-X, which that could have been so much fun. It I really mean, could have. You could have had, like, you know, Phoenix explodes up the middle. <laughs> like, <laughs> it could have been just so, so fun. But then when I learned his name was Penix, he just really... Penix, hard to the right side. Yes. <laughs> he just, like, lost all his worth to me. He's just... You know, so. you know that that family was like, it's Penex. Right. I, right. Because phonetically, you should yes. say that's a bossy E. That's a Penex. Sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, Megan, do you want to go first? Um, sure. I have two, actually. I mean, there have been so many great names over, over the years. I went with two current players, though. The first one that I thought of is a senior. He is a kicker, and so he's already near and dear to my heart. Um, he plays for Stanford, and his name is Jet Toner. Okay. Nice. My second pick is a defensive back for North Carolina, and his name is Storm Duck. <laughs> yes. I like both Perfect. of those. They're <laughs> short, simple, easy to remember. Like it. Okay. There was a bunch of options. And actually, the recruiting class that's coming in um, next year, there are just some that I can't wait to hear like announced on the television. But for current ones right now, I'm going with Thunder Keck, a junior linebacker from Stanford. And Stanford middle- has some good ones. Yes, they do. And his middle name is Justice. So his full name is Thunder Justice Keck. And I don't nice. know if his mom named him or like, mm-hmm. or I don't know. I just like wish I knew the origin of why that's his name. 
It's a very strong name. Um, and then my runner up is Bumper Pool, the <laughs> linebacker for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just named that because his dad liked playing Bumper Pool when he was young. So I guess he named his kid Bumper Pool. And that's I feel like that's how dads name. are when they when it comes to naming children. Right. The mom like was this. like, she made sure to get a family name in it. It's his middle name. But I'm just okay. like, that, that really is <laughs> too little too late. I don't know why <laughs> that's even important. Yes. But um, I guess he always said that he was going to name, if he ever had a son, he would name him that. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a friend that he was in school with and she had a child. I think it was a girl that was like four or five years older than him. And they went to the same elementary school and she came home from school one day. And I guess the older classes would go read to the younger classes. And so she was like reading to the kindergartners and she's like, mom, I read a book to today to a kid named bumper pool and the mom was like oh my gosh i know his dad and he really did it so yes he followed okay. through all right laura nice well um also this segment all i can think of is the key and peel skits that they do where they have like yes. the east and the west and they're like yes. fudge oh my gosh yes he's like latharius <laughs> tradarius okay and that's yeah. why every time i see that minnesota player like Ibrahim or whatever I'm like Ibrahim Moises <laughs> <laughs> because that's all I can think of is that little skit oh my gosh okay. anyways definitely think of that but I'm gonna go with Gentle Williams just because he is an offensive lineman for California and it just seems like a ironic name to have for football doesn't really yeah. strike fear in your opponents I like it but yeah you guys should all check out the key and peel skits those are hilarious they are All right. Well, do you guys want to talk about some of the games from Saturday? I will say this week was a lot of games that I did not think would happen. I did not think Florida was going to win. They Mm -hmm. did. I did not pick Michigan to win. They did. Thankfully, Nebraska won. But I felt like every game I looked at, the other team won. So I don't know. I thought Auburn would be better than Florida. I guess, hey, again, you think we said it a couple times, Megan, Felipe Franks going out has been the greatest gift of Florida. Yep, it sure has. Yep. Their quarterback now is unstoppable. It's ridiculous. Yeah, really is. Trask, I think, is his name. But yep. um, yeah, no, he's. Totally I think he, good. he played with like even like a mild sprain, I believe, too. So kind of unreal. But that was that was a game that shocked me. I really did think Auburn was going to win. I mm-hmm. did too. I had picked Auburn as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm really excited for Florida's game this week. Now, oh yeah, LSU. We'll see how they match up there. Wisconsin's game boring. Michigan against I yep um, boring yeah that one that's not fair Purdue is missing their two like best players I know. like right I know. that's not fair um oh, and no but I'm saying like <laughs> part of the season I mean I mean what I'm about to say is not fair I was like I love when the Big Ten does the BTN 60 because they condense the game into 60 minutes and they take out all the timeouts and the boring stuff and you, you just watch like the plays and I was like, so excited to watch the Northwestern game and the three games they picked for this week are the Michigan-Iowa game, which, okay, I kind of understand because it was, like, close and they're both ranked and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the Ohio State-Michigan State game, which, okay, they are both ranked too. But then the third one is the Penn State-Purdue game. And I'm like, who wants Mm -hmm. to see that? Like, ours was at least close and a good game. Yeah. Like, I guess just because Penn State's ranked, Mm -hmm, like, I don't know. I just thought that was a bad move on their part because no Mm -hmm. one wants to watch that. Kind of continuing the theme, too. I thought Oklahoma State could beat Texas Tech. They didn't. And that was kind of disappointing because, again, shout out to our Oklahoma State fans. But the game, did you guys watch the Kansas-Oklahoma game? Yeah, I watched. Well, I mean, I watched part of it. 
I thought Kansas, because Kansas hung with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, Les Miles comes in and they can compete with Oklahoma. I was getting yeah. kind of upset about it, but also Whoa. I was hoping that Oklahoma would lose. But yeah, they, I mean, in the end, they end up getting blown out. But they were giving Hertz a, a hard time. So we'll see if he stays on the Heisman list. I'm sure he will. Well, well but he'll did stay you, on the list for sure. Did you see the Georgia Tennessee game, though? Did you watch any yeah, of it? At the beginning, yeah, Tennessee was yeah. like hanging with them. It was them. the same thing. It was the yeah. same thing. Tennessee hung with them through the first quarter, and I was starting to wonder. And then Georgia pulled away. Well, you and know? sometimes, so think, though, like when emotions are high, you can mm-hmm. hang, you know, it's like, like the time that separate them because the same thing Michigan State hung with Ohio State for a while too and then they pulled away yeah. you know at the end so I mean that'll happen especially in highly like emotional games or when you're playing a top seeded team in the country lesser teams rise up because they want to be the ones to beat them so that'll happen but yeah they all ended up blowing them out anyway so well I think uh, didn't, ten- didn't Tennessee have a f- true freshman or either a new quarterback yes Mm-hmm. And so, and he threw two touchdowns immediately. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty, pretty solid. <laughs> I uh, kind of started laughing because um, Maryland had kind of fallen the last two weeks struggling with their offense. And sure enough, they had a fantastic bounce back game against none other than Whoa. Rutgers. Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. Rutgers so, is just what the I'm doctor like, ordered. <laughs> why can't be? I know. I'm like, why can't Rutgers be on our schedule this year? For real. That'd be yeah. fantastic. Well, do you guys want to know what the biggest upset for me was on Saturday? Should sure. I guess? Yes, yes. No, that did surprise me, though. I don't even know. Stanford, Washington. Washington. I didn't stay up to watch that game, and I should have. I saw the score. Yeah, no, I didn't stay up to watch it either. The first thing I do on Sunday morning when I wake up is grab my phone and check the scores from all the Pac-12 after dark games. And when that one came up, it took me a minute for it to sink in. I was like, what? Stanford beat Washington? I mean, they beat them by 10 points. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That Pac-12 is kind of... They're just all over the place. Evolving. Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there. But that one, that was the biggest shock to me. I mean, I could have seen Florida winning. I thought Auburn was better, but that one, you know, I could see it going either way. The Cincinnati beating UCF, honestly, that just makes Ohio State look better. It does. It does make them look better. And I was watching a post-game show where analysts were, like, picking their top, like, five or six teams. And one of them, Ohio State, wasn't even in it. And the other one, they were at five. And I'm just like, I honestly would put Ohio State up against any team in the country right now. And I think that they could win any team. Okay, this will be fun. This will be fun. Give me your top five in order. I'm putting Ohio State at number one. I think that they are the top team. And what separates them from um, some other teams is that they also have defense, too. They don't just have an offense. So I think we all are in agreement Ohio State would be number one, correct? That's my number one. That's, that's who I would pick as number one, yes. Okay, okay. number two. Who do you guys have for number two? Um, I'm going to put Bama. I'll I probably would probably go with Bama as well. I would too. Okay, this isn't much fun because we're all agreeing. <laughs> okay, well, here, it might get interesting well, here because I don't have Clemson at three. Oh, I don't either. They're okay, not even well, in my top five. Oh, I also so. don't. <laughs> they're, not, they're not in my top five either. Darn it, stop agreeing. Clemson is, no, Clemson is my number five. Notre Dame is my number six. I would put Oklahoma at number four, and then I would actually put LSU at number three. Okay. So Georgia's not in your top five at all? No. Okay, because I feel like as of right now, Georgia has the better resume than LSU, but next week could change that depending on how LSU does against Florida. Yeah, I guess I would pick Ohio State, Bama, and then I'm just going to be like, 
Georgia slash LSU for third <laughs> because I don't know which okay. of them is stronger at this point. And then I'll throw Oklahoma in at five and Clemson's not on my thing at all. Yeah. And Notre I, Dame isn't. No, Notre Dame is not at all. No, Notre Dame is definitely not on it for me. I would put LSU and then Georgia and then Oklahoma. I might switch Oklahoma and Georgia around, but those would be my top okay. five. Okay. So we kind of argued about our top teams. Now we can argue oh, about Heisman. our Heisman candidates. Okay, let's do it. What are you guys you guys thinking? Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and read the odds like that Vegas has right now. Tua is number one, followed by Jalen and Joe Burrow. They're like pretty close to each other. Then Justin Fields, then Trevor Lawrence, then Jonathan Taylor. And then like down the list is like Sam Ellinger and some other ones that aren't okay. going to win it. But um, for me... There is no better pure passer in the country right now than Joe Burrow. I just think everything about him, his motion, his release, like everything, he's just a pure passer. But I don't think he has the same athleticism or scrambling ability as like a Tua or a Jalen or even like a Justin. So it's hard for me because if you're just going on passing, I think Joe Burrow's the best. He's at the top of the list. But when you factor in a more complete player, then that's when it gets a little confusing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really concerned that it's like, like the odds are saying it's to us to lose. I don't love any of the lineup. Honestly, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to get it. I think it's going to come down to Tua and Justin Fields is what I think. Really? And I think it's, Yes, and you don't I think, think it's two us to lose. I think you don't think Joe Burrow is going to be in the? Gushing? I do not. No. Why no, not? I do not. Because I think what will happen is I think LSU will get beat. I don't think LSU will get into the playoffs, and I think that will be a huge deciding factor for them. I mean, that, that I really does. think it's two us to lose. He just can't have any major mistakes, and I think they're looking to give it to him. I mean, they were looking to give it to him last year, for heaven's sakes. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's going to get it. Right. It is a little annoying to me that it's like you have these names like at the top at the beginning of the season and it is theirs to lose. As long as they don't make any huge errors or like suck too bad, then they're going to get it. And I I just think that that's wrong. I think that there should be more like I think Jonathan Taylor should be up higher on the list. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anyone in the country that's more important like as one person to their team than Jonathan Taylor is to Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, They are so heavily reliant what about, on him. He does everything for them. Mm-hmm. I know ask? you mentioned before, Amy, um, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. I would say you'd almost give it to him over Fields because the reason Fields has the ability to throw a little bit is because they respect the run game so much. Is he on the list? No. J.K., no, he's way down, like below Sam Ellinger. See, that's um, crazy to me. But to me, well, both Justin and J.K. Dobbins are a product of that offensive line. I don't know. But to me, though, like, then you have to look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Big 12 has zero defense. It's like he's coming from the SEC to the Big 12, where, I mean, that's probably, like, a lot easier to pass in the Big 12. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like I feel like each quarterback has their own break of, like, why, you know, like, Justin Fields has his line that gives him all that time. Jalen Hurts, you know, doesn't really face any defense. I and he know. struggled against Kansas at the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I really think, just think it's Tua's to lose. I think it's so we'll Tua's see. to lose as well. And it, I think it does matter, like, who goes deeper into the season. But as far as who I think should at this point, I think Jonathan Taylor should be higher. What he's doing as a running back is just, like, incredible. 
Um, Joe Burrow, I don't see anyone passing better than him. And he is scrappy. He can run too and mm-hmm. scramble, but he doesn't have the athleticism that like, you know, Jalen or Tua have or even Justin Fields. I don't see Justin Fields getting it yet, though, even if Ohio yeah. State makes it far. I just I don't see him getting it. So I, I think like Tua, Jalen and Joe Burrow are where it's at right now. And, you know, maybe if Wisconsin can knock somebody off, Jonathan Taylor can get up on the list. But yeah, as of right now, I think it's to us to lose. Okay. So let's transition to our next segment here. Um, we're going to look at upcoming matchups. Um, we'll start with Alabama, um, just because they are playing a ranked Texas A&M. And we said it's Tua's um, Heisman to lose. So what do you guys predict with that game? Any any upset there or no? No way. Not even a chance. You don't um, think the coach is going to kick something up special? I mean, <laughs> it might be like their closest game to date, but seeing how Clemson took care of Texas A&M, I think Bama shouldn't have any more problems than they did. So, I mean, here's the thing. Arkansas almost took care of Texas A&M last week. So right. I don't think they should even be ranked at this point. I don't think they're good. I think Alabama will just come in and crush them. All right. You don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to pull some razzle-dazzle? I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't either. I, I agree. I mean, he might like pull like a trick play out, but who knows if they'll even convert it. So I don't I think know. Jimbo's magic is limited to regrowing his hair. Have you guys noticed how he suddenly has a full head of hair now? <laughs> Maybe he did he heard, Bosley. <laughs> he heard her on fleek session and wanted to be one of the hottest coaches. Too little too late, Jimbo. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Jimbo. Yeah, he has, Maybe it's yeah. like the warm climate that... Um... I don't know. Better circulation to his I, scalp. Yeah, I have no idea. A warm climate. I know, yeah. but it's like drier down there, I think. So maybe like know. just sweating it out. I don't know. Yeah, that's the right, well, play that I've seen from him, though. So the other game that we can talk about is we'll see Jalen Hurts versus Sam Ellinger in the Red River shootout. What do you guys think? I'm actually going to go with Texas here. Oklahoma's favored by nine and a half. I'm taking Texas. I'm going to take Oklahoma, but not by nine and a half. I think they will win in a close one. Okay, I'm going Oklahoma, and I do think that they will cover her. And here's why. Jalen Hurts isn't really a Sooner. I mean, he is, but he doesn't have all this, like, emotion built up in him of this Oklahoma-Texas rivalry, like all those other guys that have been there for so long. And so I think he's going to have a cooler head about him. I think he's just going to go in, get business done, and he's not going to really be rattled by all the hoopla. Because he's, he's like on a mission this year. And I think the way he kind of got screwed over at Alabama, he is like making it his mission to make mm-hmm. it the most of his last year yeah. playing. And I just see him taking care of business. I think they win by two touchdowns at least. Okay. I um That's actually one of my favorite things about Jalen Hurts is that he is the most non-emotional player I've right ever seen the game could be tied with five seconds left and you have to check to make sure he still has a pulse because he's cool as a cucumber like he just doesn't get rattled he's very calm and so I do think that will be an advantage to Oklahoma all right so I'm I'm the only one taking Texas guess we'll have to see this game surprised me that well actually doesn't surprise me at all that college game day didn't pick them because one I understand Florida's playing LSU but also who wants to go to Iowa Penn State Iowa so number 10 taking on number 17 Penn State's favored by three points 
This one's really? tough. I don't know how to, I don't know on this one. Oh, I would pick Penn State by a lot more than three. Right. I would too. I, Ooh, Iowa, I don't know. Iowa's secondary is so weak. I do not know why teams are not exploiting it more. Iowa State took advantage of it a couple times. I don't know why they didn't do it more. Michigan had that long throw against them. I, I honestly don't know why teams don't take advantage of it more. I just see Penn State beating them by a lot. I mean, Iowa does have a good ground game defense, but if Penn State's smart and they exploit their secondary, then I think they could win by a lot. All right. Sorry, Nate Stanley. Not going to be your day, apparently. This one is kind of a sleeper pick for me, and you guys can agree or disagree. So USC versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by 11 and a half. I think Notre Dame will win. I don't know that they'll cover, but I think that they will win. When they went to Georgia, I thought they were going to get blown out. And how they've been playing, I don't think they're like, top five by any means but I do think they're a solid team better than I originally gave them credit for at the beginning of the season and I think they'll win I just can't figure USC out I think Notre Dame will win the game I would like to see USC win the game so I will be cheering for USC but deep down in my heart I expect Notre Dame to win this one it's hard to say that isn't it to cheer for USC it is it's hard to cheer for either side honestly It's like both teams lose. I just can't figure USC out because they beat Stanford early in the year. Grand Stanford's not that good. They also went on to beat number 10 Utah, which again, Utah's not that great. But then they lose to these other teams. So I, I cannot figure USC out. We'll have to see. I think Notre Dame will win though too. I agree on that one. Well, USC is on their third string quarterback right now, I think. So they've had a lot of changes at that position too, which I'm sure affects them a little bit. But yeah, they're really streaky. All right, so getting down to the college game day game, Florida at LSU. We got Trask v. Burrow. What are your takes? Well, I'm a big believer in Joe Burrow. I've been so impressed with him. I'm going to go with LSU for that reason. I think it's going to be a close game. Seeing Florida play Auburn, I think it's going to be a lot closer than I originally thought the LSU-Florida game would be, but I still think LSU gets it done. What do you think, Amy? Here's the thing. I didn't think Florida was going to be Auburn, so I thought going into this, LSU would definitely be the winner. There's just sometimes that like certain teams just match up better, and they kind of like have the number of that other team. And so I really don't know. I think Florida could upset them, but I'm going to pick LSU just because I am also a Joe Burrow fan. I think he is the best passer right now in college football, so I think that they can get it done. But I wouldn't be surprised if Florida upset them. So that's my take. So fun fact, and I know Trask has not played the whole season, so it's not quite fair. But Joe Burrow has over 1,800 yards and Trask has 800 yards, over 800. So 1,000 more yards there. He also has 22 touchdowns to Trask's seven. Again, I understand Trask doesn't have a full season. But I think the key matchup is going to be Justin Jefferson. I picked him out week one as being Mm -hmm. kind of the Odell Beckham um, of 2019 college football. So I am also going to go with LSU at home. I think they'll take care of business. I think Florida will be kind of coming off a high of this week's win. And I think LSU will come in a little bit more focused. I'm I'm also going to go with LSU. All right. Now for the only one that really matters this week that's coming up, Nebraska, Minnesota. It's going to be hype train city with PJ Fleck. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Minnesota is predicted um, to win at 68%. Hmm. Um, yeah, they don't have a spread out yet. I had heard something about we were being favored by three. 
And I don't know if Vegas... I wonder if Martina's going out well, is... Well, that's, that's why yeah. I'm wondering if Vegas isn't, like, releasing the odds yet. Because I'm sure that's a factor in what they put the spread at. But, yeah, it's not out. I mean, I'm obviously picking us. Um, Minnesota hasn't played a whole Anyone. lot of people. Um, but the one thing that does worry me is they've been in a lot of close games this year. And mm-hmm. they've won all of them. They've been to overtime... They've gone down to the wire. Again, one of them was like an FCS team. So, they're, you know, their competition hasn't been the best, but they are comfortable in in-the-game situations where it's close. So I think we need to take care of them before it gets down to the fourth quarter. Um, right. Just like we did last year. They do have some really good receivers. They've got a good running back. Um, I do think that it will be key that our secondary is just on point because they've got some crazy talent back there. Um, but I'm going to say, and I think it'll be a little bit of a more high scoring game than it was this last week. So I'm going to say 37, 23. I was there last year for Scott Frost's first win. So in Lee Curso fashion, one and zero against Minnesota, make that two and zero for Scott Frost. So I'm going to pick Nebraska. I'm going to say 21, 17. All right. I will also pick Nebraska. I think it will be a little bit higher scoring. Um, I feel obligated to say that, but I, I really do think that we can win this game. I think it will be higher scoring. I I don't know. I don't need to verbally process all of this. I'm going to say 28-21, Nebraska. All right. Well, I'll be sure to have Benji's Husker gear on so he can bring us good luck. Yes, please do that. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week after we destroy those gophers. Bye. Go Big Red. Thanks for listening to College Dame Day. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, hit us up. We are at College Dame Day on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next week for more college football content.